It's something that's been spoken about for a while, but it's here, whether we like it or not. And as a marketer, what we're going to talk about today is something that potentially is leaving you confused, uncertain, a bit bewildered, and maybe you're feeling like you really need to figure this thing out. We're talking about the rollout of iOS 14 on Apple, and in particular, the ATT decision, which refers to app tracking transparency. I've invited a Facebook ads expert onto today's show to share more. Let's go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, my friends. It's Ben Amos here from Engage Video Marketing, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 198. Yes, that's right, 198. So we're only a couple of episodes away from the big 200th episode celebration. And as I've mentioned before, I want you to celebrate this 200th milestone with me. So would you like to be part of the show? Here's how you do it. And you need to do this within the next week as of the release of this podcast. So act now. I really want you to be part of the 200th episode. So to do that, simply go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200. And on that page, you'll be able to record a short audio message for you to be included in the show as well. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say and have you as part of the Engage Video Marketing 200th episode. So you can go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200 and leave a message there. You can do it on your smartphone right now. Just find a quiet spot. Go and find a couple of minutes. Take some time. Leave me a message. I seriously appreciate you and can't wait to have you guys, the listeners of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, join me on the show in a couple of weeks time. But right now, in this episode, I wanted to kind of fast track this and bring it to you without much delay. In fact, I recorded this episode on Friday, the uh, 7th of, of May, and this is coming out then next week, just on the 11th of May. So just a few days after recording, this one's being released because right now you're probably being aware of this iOS 14 update and in particular, what this is potentially meaning for the way that people are able to use Facebook advertising. And I know as video marketers that this is something that is going to really interest you. And in particular, if you've maybe heard a bit of noise around iOS 14 and app tracking transparency that we're gonna talk about today, but if like me, you're not 100% sure on exactly what it means and what the impact is, then this is the episode for you. So I've invited back Andrew Hubbard, who was last on the show back in episode 141. And Andrew's a Facebook advertising expert. So I know that he's got the answers to the questions that we all have, and I'm gonna ask them for you. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what's all the fuss about this iOS 14 update anyway. Who is actually impacted? What it's gonna be like, whether we opt in or opt out, 
uh, to tracking on iOS as consumers or as users, but also as advertisers or as business owners who are trying to reach our ideal audiences through our marketing, how are we going to be affected as well? How are the ads that we're running for us or for our clients going to be affected? And in particular, what impact does this have on, on using video creative within ads? And we're going to explore that because the good news is, guys, and a little sneak peek here, is that video is actually even more powerful now with this iOS 14 and the ATT changes that we're going to talk about. Video really is going to be something that people are going to double down on. So we're going to dive into that as well. So a little reminder, if you haven't listened back to episode 141 with Andrew, Andrew Hubbard is the founder of Hubbard Digital, a Canberra, Australia-based digital marketing agency with a focus on Facebook and Instagram advertising for online businesses. He's also an international speaker and provides education and training for companies to help them upskill their teams on Facebook and Instagram advertising. Andrew really is deep in this world and that's why I wanted to get him on the show for you today. So without further ado, let's just jump right in and dive into what is all the fuss about iOS 14 and what impact is this going to have on our video marketing? Let's go. Right, Andrew, welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Great to be back for a second uh, second round. Well, I've invited you back because there's a hot topic on the minds and and podcast feeds and social media feeds and news articles of people who are listening to this podcast, I'm sure. And right now, it's something that many people, particularly if they're running and or have been doing anything in the world of Facebook advertising, they're probably still a bit confused about. That is the changes that are coming with iOS 14, in fact, that have come with iOS 14. So you're the man to talk to about this. And before you hit record, you said you've been talking about it a lot lately in a lot of ways. So... I'm excited to dive in. Um, but before we get into that, can you just maybe explain for people that maybe are thinking, what's the fuss? What's the deal? What do you mean iOS 14 and why is that a problem? We've had plenty of iOS updates before. What's the deal? Yeah. So look, essentially, if we boil it down, um, basically Apple in their latest release of iOS 14, which is iOS 14.5, they released a feature called ATT or App uh, tracking transparency. And essentially what that is, it's a privacy feature. And now every app that wants to track its users on the iOS platform has to show a pop-up when the app first opens. So what happens is you upgrade to iOS 14.5 and now you're going to start seeing across lots of different apps, this little pop-up that appears and it will say, this app would like to track you across uh, the web and across other platforms. Would you like to allow it to do so? And you have two options. You can choose allow or you can click ask not to track. And so essentially, if users click allow, then from our perspective as advertisers and marketers uh, on Facebook or whatever app wants to track, then that's all good. But if they click ask not to track, then from that point onwards, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the app is, cannot track that user across different apps, different websites, or different platforms. And so it's this change that's really causing headaches for Facebook advertisers in particular, because Facebook is known to you know, track user data across its Facebook app on iOS and Instagram and WhatsApp, as well as behavior across websites. And it matches all of that together 
to give us the powerful targeting features that we're used to. Um, so yeah, essentially this update removes a lot of that. And they were originally estimating that about 40% of people would opt in to tracking. So this was sort of Facebook's estimate. But I read a study a couple of days ago from a company called Flurry, which basically just do app analytics. And they said about 4% of people on iOS who are seeing this prompt are opting in. So 96% are opting opting out. Yeah. And now that wasn't for Facebook in particular. That was for just apps in general. But I would imagine, and this is totally speculative, but I would imagine with Facebook's reputation at the moment in terms of trust and everything and the hit they took last year, it wouldn't surprise me if Facebook's opt-in rate was even lower than that 4% average. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a shock to the system for sure. Yeah. Okay. So just to clarify, it's not just affecting Facebook advertising, right? It's affecting any apps on an iOS platform that potentially are tracking user behavior. That's yeah. exactly right. Any app at all that wants to track, um, it's it's affecting them. Yep. And do users have the ability to say, I will allow this app to track my data, but not this app? Or is it a general global setting on your iPhone? It's on a per app basis. So they can say, hey, I want to allow this particular app to to track me, but not Facebook or not a different app. You know, it's, uh, it's purely on a per app basis. But what I will say is I have heard that if somebody opts in on any of the Facebook suite of apps, let's say they opt in on Instagram and they opt out in the Facebook app. Don't know why someone would, but it could happen. What I have heard and the way I understand it is if you opt in on one of those apps in the Facebook platform, uh, it will opt you in on all of them, regardless of what you do elsewhere. So that's that's kind of what I'm hearing there, okay. just as a little nuance. Yeah, interesting nuance. Yeah, being a bit tricky perhaps as well. Yeah. Now I know that um, you know Facebook has obviously been very careful about the wording of their pop-up that they, uh, I don't have the exact wording in front, I don't know if you know it, um, but obviously they've probably spent much many hours and a lot of money on paying human psychology experts to carefully craft the wording to encourage people to effectively opt opt into tracking yeah so what do you think uh, how how has facebook approached this because obviously this is a decision made by apple not by facebook i think people can get confused as to who's who's making these changes right so yeah. uh, how do you think facebook uh, is responding to to this change. Look, yeah, I, I would assume the same thing as you. However, when I saw the pop-up, I was kind of like, that's a little weak, to be honest. I don't know. It wasn't super appealing to me, but, you know, maybe they did tests and that was the one that performed the best. Um, because what they can do is it's actually, a, they've got a pre-pop-up. So you see, you see a pop-up with all of this information about the tracking change and then you click OK on that and then the actual prompt appears because the prompt only has a very small amount of information. Um, So yeah, really interesting. They give you a bit of information. They're actually copying heat at the moment because one of the things that they say in that initial pop-up is um, help keep Facebook and Instagram free um, is one of the sort of uh, reasons they put in, you know, you should opt in because it helps keep Facebook and Instagram free. Um, So they're actually copying a bit of heat for that now. Um, because yeah, poor, it's kind of seen as bullying. And like, yeah, that, that's exactly. They're really the struggling financially, you know. You know, and you know, basically, that's doesn't. It's not a good look when they say, "Hey, 
opt in or we're going to charge you for this, basically. It's like everyone knows they're not going to do that and two, it's not, yeah, it's not a good look for them. So, um, yeah, you would assume that, um, that they did have a lot of help with that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not getting a good response so far, um, according to the media anyway. Okay, cool. So before we get uh, into specifically how this this change might affect video marketing specifically. Let's yep. just talk about the consumer or the user's perspective. So just so people understand what, uh, what, what's happening here, uh, how will opting in or opting out affect the user's experience on Facebook specifically? Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, it, it is going to affect the user experience. So if somebody opts in, obviously everything remains the same. If somebody opts out, however, I think the most notable, noticeable uh, thing that is going to be seen on the user end is the types of ads that they start to see are going to change pretty dramatically, I would expect. Um, mainly what they're going to see is ads that are far less relevant to them. So uh, because nothing can be tracked essentially outside of the platform, um, you are going to start seeing ads that are far less relevant to you and you might start to see ads in the feed and think why the heck am i seeing this <laughs> you know this is this has got nothing to do with me you know why am i seeing something for a that's designed for 60 plus year old women maybe you know i don't know um in the feed when you know i'm a 30 something year old guy so yeah that's the biggest change is you're going to see things that are far less relevant to you appearing in the news feed do you believe that you're going to therefore probably be more likely to see ads from larger known brands who effectively have the budgets to just say, just show our ad to anyone. You know, much like traditional TV advertising where you can be somewhat targeted by like picking the show that you might. Um, and in the same way, I guess these advertisers can be somewhat targeted by deciding which platforms to advertise on. So you have a sense of what the demographic is on those platforms, you know, Instagram versus Facebook versus TikTok, whatever. Um, so is that what we're likely to see if we opt out of tracking on these devices? That's exactly what I expect, yes. So I expect a lot of those larger brands with the budget to sort of just blanket a particular um, large demographic. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll be doing that. Um, it's also going to be, I think that's going to be an approach that a lot of businesses in general are going to have to take. They're going to have to go broader. They're going to have to go less specific and just kind of deal with that um, as well. We'll dive into this later. Um, I don't think it's going to be extreme in terms of like there are still going to be ways for smaller businesses and smaller advertisers to get quite specific in terms of their targeting. Um, video marketing being one of them. Video plays a big role in that. So I think it's not going to be just those big brands that you see, but it will be definitely more prevalent um, in the newsfeed. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So on the other hand, though, if you, if you opt in to, to tracking on these devices, then you're likely to see more ads or just better ads more suited to you. Like, what do you think the user experience is going to be for those who choose to say yes to tracking? Yeah. So same number of ads. I don't expect more or less ads based on either option because basically Facebook Show so many ads per uh, posts that appear in the news that appear in the newsfeed. So I don't expect any difference there in terms of the quantity. Uh, it's purely a, qual a quality question. So I think it, it'll just be more specific ads uh, for you based on 
what you're doing outside of the platform. So some of the most common sort of use cases that I think will disappear or start to be a lot less common if you have opted out. Um, Things like when you go to, let's say, an e-commerce store and you start looking at shoes and then you go back to Facebook and then all of a sudden you start seeing ads from that store with all different variety of shoes. Um, and you, you know, you go to Google and you see the same thing and there's shoes everywhere. Um, that sort of thing, because it's based on those off-platform events, Facebook tracks you on the website. They know you looked at shoes on this particular site. And then that, that website as an advertiser targets you. That kind of thing is what you won't see if you opt out, but you'll still continue to see that kind of thing if you are opted in. Um, yeah, that's going to be one of the one of the biggest sort of differences is that offsite behavior being used and fed in to give you a better experience on the platform in terms of advertising. Okay, so you've talked about offsite behavior there, and I think we we get that, or or at least understand the impact that 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 will have. What about onsite or or within platform behaviors? How's that affected, or is it? It's not at all affected. So everything you do on Facebook, whether it's on the mobile app on iOS 14 or whether it's on a desktop app, regardless of of this new ATT and whether you've opted in or out, it's going to have no impact at all. Facebook can still track every action inside the platform just as they normally would, even if you've opted out. So that's everything from like video views, how long you've watched a video for, which pages you like, um, which ads you've hidden, all of that stuff um, still tracked perfectly as usual. Okay, so advertisers using Facebook advertising will still be able to target uh, target their ads at people who have expressed or shown behaviours on platform. And so there are quite a few on platform behaviours that can show a user's interest and intent, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at before. It's even though they can't track the offsite stuff advertisers can still get pretty specific in terms of who they're targeting based on what they know about people, you know, what they know about people and what they're doing on the platform. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what do you say about the effectiveness, effectiveness of Facebook advertising in general, big picture kind of thing? Is it still going to be an effective use of an advertising budget for businesses or is it less so? Or more so? (laughs) Good question. Uh, Look, I think end of the day, it's still going to be an extremely effective platform and an extremely effective way for businesses to allocate their ad budget. I mean, the main shift is just going to be the way in which businesses advertise. And essentially what we're doing is is we're kind of going back to an advertising methodology or strategy that we used maybe four or five years ago. So it's definitely going to still be a great platform and a great place to advertise. I don't see that changing. Um, I just see some adaptation in the way that advertisers need to approach things and look at things. One of the big things we lose when with, with ATT and with this change is the not only the targeting, uh, but it's the insights that we get back. So the, our targeting options essentially remain the same, but it's the data we're getting back that really affects it. So we, we can't see as much in terms of uh, performance and results in the ad manager. Uh, things like, you know, at the moment, well, not at the moment, before this change rolled out, we're in a situation where we would go very broad and we would let Facebook's algorithm do a lot of the heavy lifting and then we could sort of sift through the data. 
um, and make decisions based on that. For example, I could run a an ad that targeted a lookalike audience based on my customers, meaning I would take a customer list, upload it to Facebook, and then I would tell Facebook to find more people like that list. Then I could go in and break down my results and see, okay, what's my return on ad spend for the age group of 18 to 24? What's the, the return on ad spend for 25 to 34 year olds? Well, things like that are going away. Facebook will no longer show us those age breakdowns and, and that kind of granular data in our reports either for people who are opted out. So why why is, why is that? Let me just touch on that point. Uh, Were they, where were they getting that data from anyway in the first place prior to, uh, were they relying on people entering their date of birth into their Facebook profile and that's how they were getting that. Exactly. That's, that's with, within app data owned by Facebook. How is that affected by this? It is. So yeah, it's, that's an, it's an odd uh, it's an odd one. Essentially what's happening, I think the easiest way to sort of explain it is this is as much a policy decision as it is a technical decision. And what I mean by that is, so from a technical perspective, if somebody clicks opt out in the Facebook app, that means that the app itself will no longer push data uh, back to um, back to Facebook. Okay, that's from a technical perspective, uh, it, won't, it won't do it from iOS. However, uh, that's outside of platform, right? But the policy decision is that no data for that user will be matched anymore by Facebook. Meaning, uh. let's say if I take that email list and upload it to Facebook, so that's external data, it's not even on iOS, it's nowhere, it's from my email list, I upload it to Facebook and I say, here's a custom audience, let's target these people. Facebook will go through each of those people in the list and if anyone has opted out, they will reject the data. They will not even match that data. So um, they could, technically they could grab it and match it, but because of that policy decision on the back end, they just won't match any of it. So it's, I think they don't show it in the ad manager to us anymore simply because um, they're not matching it up. They're not getting it anymore. Not, they don't know who is converting. And so they can't give us the demographic breakdown and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? It, it does, yeah. Let me yeah. get maybe a little bit more nuanced here. And this is yeah. just me being inquisitive because <laughs> I don't know the answers to this stuff either. But um, as this is an iOS decision to to push this this decision needing to be made by a user, does that only affect when you're using the uh, the apps on iOS devices? Like for example, if you were to opt out on your iOS device, mm-hmm. which would there effectively when you're using Facebook or any other platform on your iOS device, it's anonymized that use and not being tracked. But then if you were to go onto your PC, for example, in your, in your office, log into the same platform, you're not going to see any kind of opt-in, opt-out notice because you're, you're on a PC, not an iOS device. Yeah. How does that affect you as a user when you're kind of cross device like that? So that's the same thing. And that, that's kind of, that's a really good question because it's expanding on what I was just saying about this sort of being a, a policy decision uh, as much as a technical one. So it, it actually will not track you cross device either. So let's say you do that exact scenario that you mentioned. I open up my Chrome browser on my PC at home. Um, 
and you know, I go to a website, that website's got the Facebook pixel, meaning the, the pixel can track me. Uh, it's the same as I just mentioned as uploading an email list. In that case, the pixel will send data back to Facebook. Facebook will say, oh, this person has opted out. I can't accept any of this data and it will push it away and it will not match any data with my profile or anything like that. So um, same thing, it's, it's I am opted out on iOS over here, but from Facebook's perspective, me, as a user, I've opted opted out, so Facebook will no longer match any data from the Pixel or from uh, email lists or anything like that with my profile. Okay, so this is a policy decision that's affecting not just iOS but also Facebook and across the board. So I think a lot of Correct. people are uh, putting the blame in in Apple's, I guess, court, um, yeah. but it's it's not right. They're just uh, making the decision to force the notification. Well, no, it is. It is on Apple. So the reason it's a policy decision by Facebook is because Apple, Apple's terms of service for the App Store state that if somebody opts out using that pop-up, that you are not allowed to track them from that point onwards. So essentially, Facebook's in a spot where if somebody opts out and Facebook says, ah, but you know, we're too smart for you. Oh, We've right. got all these other ways of tracking. We'll just match it outside. Technically you can't they stop us. They violate Apple's terms. They violate Apple's terms. Apple kick Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp off the app store. And that's a whole other okay. <laughs> world of hurt uh, right. for them. So yeah, they, they kind of, it's a policy decision, but it's not one they wanted to make. It's one that they were forced to make as part of this, uh, this change. All right, cool. I think yeah. I think I got there in my head now. Now I understand how this is. It's, it's this very is nuanced and complicated, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully that makes sense to you guys, the listeners as well. If not, reach out to – well, reach out to Andrew. Don't reach out to me. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll clear it up yeah, for reach you. reach out. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So let's talk about video marketing specifically yeah. because, um, you know, for people who are, who are video marketers, um, Facebook, Instagram as platforms, valuable mm -hmm. places to distribute video content – and also video advertising is very powerful form and, and has been for quite some time. So let's talk about how this potentially might impact on how we should be approaching our video marketing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, okay. So let's look at kind of a lot of, uh, let's look at one particular use case now and, and how I, I'm changing that in my business and for the, the clients that I work with um, and, and sort of what that's going to look like in this new age of advertising. So something that we would often do is send traffic to websites. Let's say we have blog posts or podcast interviews and things like that. And we might create a Facebook ad and send people off to that stuff. We could then retarget them off the back of that do lots of really creative things with our advertising um, based on that behavior offsite. Even things like people going to a store and looking at products like I mentioned earlier. But since that's going away, we're looking at ways to adjust and ways to shift that. And video is becoming a huge part of that because of what we talked about earlier. Because now with video on the platform, that still can be tracked perfectly. Now, this is just to be really clear, as long as you're uploading the video natively on the Facebook platform. If you're linking to videos off platform, you know, that's different ball game. But if you're uploading videos natively to your Facebook page, um, then that can all be tracked by Facebook, by Instagram, no problem whatsoever. So instead of doing things like, you know, maybe sending to blog posts or sending to a podcast interview and all that kind of thing, the way we're shifting now is 
we'll just run videos. And instead of sending to a content that's in a blog post, maybe we'll just run a video with content and doing more and more videos. And then we can retarget based on if somebody's watched 30 seconds of a video or 25% or 50%. So we've always done that, but we're shifting to that more and more because now we can use those audiences um, based on the video views and we can do smart retargeting that way. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's really going to become a big part, I think, of our strategies. And, you know, the podcast interview example, we might have linked to a podcast on iTunes and then retargeted people who listen to that podcast. Well, that's no longer an option. So we'll be taking snippets from podcast interviews now and running those much more heavily um, in the feed because then we can retarget people who then watch that video. It's, I think it's also going to be a bit of a win for a lot of marketers who are using those kind of strategies because I can tell you a video view on the platform is much cheaper than a click off to a website or a click off to iTunes to listen to a podcast and things like that. So um, yeah, that's just one example, one way that video marketing is um, is actually benefiting from this. And I think people who are using video and, and even those who aren't like, uh, you know, and start shifting to it are going to see a, an actual uptick from that. Yeah. So effectively you're using cheap paid video views yep. shown to a, a wider, less nuanced audience because you, you can't necessarily, you can to an extent because not everyone's opting out, right? So you can uh, set some audience parameters and so on. Yep. Um, so, but typically you're going to go cast a wider net, right? With your video, but then by yeah. crafting the first stage of this video funnel effectively in the right way that like, I kind of liken it to, to a wolf whistle, right? It's the idea of if you have a, a noise at a certain pitch, it attracts the certain person, right? To get them into your content, just like a mm -hmm. wolf whistle or a dog whistle, you know? And the idea is if you can get the right people to engage with that video to that threshold of say through play or 30 seconds, 25%, whatever it may be, yep. then they're showing very strong indicators that they're interested in that content, build exactly. your custom audiences from video views. And you're kind of doing the same thing as what retargeting using website traffic used to do, but probably in a cheaper and more effective way. Am I interpreting that right? 100%. That's a really good summary. Yep, that's exactly right. So we're taking that strategy, you know, that you know, we might have been paying 20, 30, 40 cents a click to a website and then going, okay, well, they, you know, they went and re read that blog post that shows that they're interested in this topic. Let's retarget them. Where this way we're doing essentially the same thing with video, but we're going, hey, they watched 30 seconds of this, this video on this topic, which means they're really interested because 30 seconds is a long time on Facebook. The average video view time is like seven seconds or something. Um, and then we can retarget them based on that. And it's, you know, a video view costs maybe two, three cents. Um, 30 seconds is going to cost you more like 10 cents maybe if it's a good video. But um, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And there's no other way to to show interest like video views, right? Like you can't you can't set up a custom audience in another way. Am I correct in that? So you well, can in another way that shows levels of interest, like how much they watched a video, or is there you another can, way to do but that? Nothing has that same strength, if if I put it that way. So, you know, I can target people who've engaged with my Facebook page or engage right. with my Instagram account or yeah, who like comments and yeah, exactly like any type of engagement. So maybe you know, if I say I want to target people who've engaged with any post on my Instagram account in the last thirty days, I mean, I can do that. 
but I know from experience that if I target an audience, you know, everyone who's engaged on Instagram, a heart on an Instagram post does not carry the same weight as watching 30 seconds of a video. It's not even a close comparison. And so that's why, you know, the retargeting is powerful, but it also factors into lookalike audiences now, and we're using it more heavily for lookalike audiences as well. I can create a lookalike off everyone who's liked my Instagram posts, but I can tell you that's not going to be a great lookalike to use compared to a lookalike of people who've watched, you know, more than a minute of my videos. Um, that's going to be a much stronger lookalike audience as well, um, just because the quality of that engagement is so, so high. I love that. I think that's that's so powerful and, and obviously just really emphasizes the power in using video creative in your ads there. Um, yeah. I mean, one more example I'll give you, something that's yeah. just that I've been doing lately and this was actually something I learned from uh, YouTube. I kind of took this from YouTube and thought I'm going to apply this to um, Facebook ads. There's a guy, Roberto Blake, on YouTube. And what he was doing was using 60-second shorts. And he would create all of these 60-second shorts that were essentially around a particular topic. So uh, he would create these shorts and they would just be little snippets around, let's say, um, oh, gee, what's a topic we could use as the example here? Growing an email list. You know, he could talk about, hey, you know, I grew my email list by 10,000 people, you know, in six months and I, you know, did this one thing. This was one of the things I did, blah, 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 in a 60-second video. And then at the end, kind of mentioned that he's got a whole video on, you know, the journey of how he how he implemented all of this. And it would kind of lead back to a, one of his main YouTube videos. So he would do a main YouTube video on a bunch of these 60-second shorts and each short would be sort of more result based this is the result we got this is the result and then if you want to see the full system how we got there go check out the video so we're just implementing a similar system with facebook and it's fantastic because we can just create a bunch of 60 second videos and those videos can run on instagram because they're so short they can run on instagram facebook all of those placements instagram stories facebook stories and then we can then, if somebody watches you know, 90% of one of those 60-second videos, then we retarget them with the longer video that's sort of the, the bulk of the content, that how-to or the, the big long video that might be four, five, six minutes long. Um, and so you're doubling up on those really positive engagement signals. They're watching nearly all of a 60-second video. And then you're showing them something again that they're interested in. So they might watch two or three minutes of that. And you can sort of keep building on that and just take them on that journey through Facebook. Um, so yeah, we're losing some off-platform retargeting stuff, but it's encouraging us to do creative things like that with our video marketing on the Facebook platform as well. And it's it's actually bearing fruit. I think that's really interesting. And I love that idea of those, those shorts or those shorter pieces of content are kind of like, again, using that fishing analogy, it's kind of like throwing out different pieces of bait, right? And seeing yep. where people are going to nibble or, or bite to come into that single piece of main content. And you could probably, you know, really use that as a bit of a split test as well, right? To kind of, I yeah. guess, find your audiences. If you're not sure which audience is gonna resonate best, you can, or, or which messaging is gonna resonate best and you can do it that way, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's that's um, another really powerful way to do it. I mean, we could, you could have a video on, let's say, 10 tips, you know, to uh, improve your video marketing for a small business or something. And you could break out each one of those tips as a 60 second video. And then uh, each one's slightly different messaging. 
and then you know it leads back to the main video and you can you can really quickly see which one of those things people are most interested in and you can double down on that for your next videos and your next pieces of content and stuff like that there's all kinds of ways you can do it absolutely so you talked there about the you know funneling people through a process to take them into say a longer more valuable piece of content using some of those shorter pieces of content mm-hmm. and I believe you're referring to their, you know, showing them a longer piece of content on platforms, say on, on Facebook. Yep. Yep. There's obviously going to be a, a, a time and a place where that's not the right type of content to be a Facebook video, right? So it, at what stage are, are we still going to want to move people off platform to somewhere else, to a website, to a landing page? And what happens then? Do we effectively lose, lose them? Yeah, so I still think we're going, at the moment, we're still going to need to send people off platform for things like uh, lead generation. So if we want to collect an email address, send them off to you know, opt into something or to purchase, eventually you're going to want them to to purchase something. And we're still going to have to send them off platform at the moment to do those things. And I'll circle back on this. I'll finish this thought and then we can circle back on this because I think that will change over time too. I've got a couple of sort of theories on that. But you're going to want to send them off off platform. And it's not all bad news there either. So basically, if you send them off platform and you send them to a landing page and ask them to enter an email address and opt in, let's say they've opted out of tracking. In that case, we can actually still track one conversion event for that user. Meaning if we send them off platform, they've opted out of tracking, but we send them off platform to our website, they opt in, we can still track them as a lead on Facebook, but we can only track one conversion event. Meaning, let's say if we sent them off site to our shop and they added an item to the cart, which is one event, conversion event, and then they initiated the checkout, which is another event, and then they purchased from you, which is a third event. Previously, we could see all of those events in Facebook. We could see, oh, we just had one add to cart, one initiate checkout, and one purchase. Now, Facebook says, uh, this person's opted out of tracking. We can show you one event. We can track one okay. event. And so it's you can go into Facebook now. You have to set this up. Um, it's called aggregated event measurement. And you set the priority for your conversion events. So you essentially go in and you say, well, purchase is my highest priority. Um, initiate checkouts, my second highest. And then add to cart is my third highest, for example. Facebook is going to show you the highest priority event that you've set. So in that in that example that I showed you, if they purchased, it would just show you the purchase. Um, if they opted in for a lead, an email address, and you just had a lead, and that's the only event, it would show you the lead. So yeah, it still gives us a little bit of data. It's not all doom and gloom there. So in Ads Manager, prior to this, you, you were able to basically set up multiple custom conversions based on landing on certain pages and taking certain actions. And like I said, you could track a user through through all of those different events. Um, yep. But now I believe that there is, it's limited to eight. You're, you, you basically have eight uh, conversion events that you can set up. Is that is that right? And how does that link to the one that you can prioritize? Yeah. Or are we really? getting too deep in the weeds? <laughs> no, no, let's do it. Um, no, it's a good question. It, it's really kind of uh, putting businesses in a spot where they've got to make, it, make these tough choices because you can only track eight events. And so previously, a lot of people were using what you just mentioned there, um, custom conversions, and they would set up a different custom conversion for each thing. However, with this new system, 
you can eat up eight slots really quickly with those custom conversions. Let's say you have eight different um, lead magnets. Well, there go your eight slots because you want to track, you know, opted in for this thing or opted in for that thing or each separately. Um, same as products in a store, right? If you wanted to track eight different products in your store and or if you wanted to track, you know, 20 products in your store, well, if you're using custom conversions, you can only track eight of those, which could be a problem. Um, so what I'm recommending to people is switching to standard events. It's a different way of tracking, um, but basically it allows you to bunch things together. So we can say, all right, we've got eight lead magnets, but they're all a lead. So let's just track them as a lead. And that takes up one slot. So no matter what they opt into, we can't see granularly which thing this person opted into. But if we're running ads to one landing page, we know if that's a lead, gets a lead, we know what they opted into, right? So not really losing anything there. Um, and same as purchase. If we're using the purchase standard event, which most e-commerce stores were anyway, then you know the purchase takes up one slot uh, and, and we're good to go there. Now, if you want to track... If you want to use value-based optimization, I don't know if we're getting too into the weeds here, but if you want to use value-based optimization, which is basically where you tell Facebook, I want to optimize for the highest value customers, then just choosing the purchase event and enabling value-based optimization takes up four slots. So it's kind of, okay. uh, there's some little little things in there as well. But yeah, basically move from custom conversions to standard events would be my advice and kind of aggregate things together to get inside that eight uh, event limit. All right, gotcha. Let's not go. Let's not go too deep into the weeds there because right, I think I thought we could. I might have been. Yeah, but, but no, that's good. I'm glad you clarified that as well. So let's circle back on on this idea of your your theories around as we move forward. Potentially, it's not going to be as valuable to send people off platform. Is there more that mm. we're potentially able to do as a business on platform that you feel is coming? Look, I, I do. I think I think Facebook are probably going. I assume they're approaching this in two different ways. They've got a lot of resources and a lot of smart people at their disposal, and I have no doubt they're working day and night on ways to track things in the current environment, so coming up with new ways of tracking. Um, but secondly, I think they're probably going to start allowing us to do a lot more of these things on platform without having to send people away. So. For example, we've got lead ads already where we can collect lead information on the platform without ever having to send to a landing page. We can now use these instant experience ads. I don't know if you've seen those. They're a more interactive type of ad. We can embed lead ads into our instant experiences, meaning somebody can click an instant experience. It opens up kind of on Facebook as this bigger, broader um clickable ad. And then it's you can like have a, web, a mini website within mini Facebook. Mini website, right? exactly. Yeah. And then in that website, you can have a lead form so they can enter their details and submit that right there and there. So that's one way they're doing it. The other thing Facebook have now are Facebook shops. So on a Facebook page, you can create a Facebook shop and you can sell things right there in the platform. Facebook take a 5% processing fee from that. So that's a bit of a sting for e-commerce retailers. Um but I think what we're going to see is Facebook doubling, tripling down on Facebook shops and really creating an ecosystem where businesses can sort of do all of that in platform. They can keep all of the pie instead of you know doing what they were previously doing and sending people off platform. 
Um, we're already seeing these tight integrations with things like Shopify and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that'll get more and more important in the future. But I expect some big announcement or announcements around Facebook shops over the next sort of six to 12 months for sure. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where they go with these instant experiences as well, because yep. as you've touched on there, it, it, it's kind of like the ability to build a landing page within Facebook itself, which for many non-e-commerce uh, type of businesses where the Facebook shop is probably not right for your product or service that you, that you sell, that's where you're going to want to drive people towards an action like, you know, inquiry or, you know, download a lead magnet or something like that. If we could do that on platform within an instant experience that still feels part of our brand, that's going to be highly valuable, I think, uh, for, for advertisers and businesses. But I'm interested with that though, to ask you, Andrew, if that will still then, both in the shopping, uh, Facebook shop environment and in instant experiences, will that allow you to do some re-engagement of people who have gone through that flow you know for example if you've added to cart in a facebook shop or if you've landed on a uh, landing opt-in page in an instant experience but you didn't opt in do you think you'll be able to when they get a bit more granular with this stuff you'll be able to target just like you did traditional retargeting yeah absolutely so instant experiences as well that's that's kind of the big one that i'm really interested in because a lot of the businesses i work with in my own business we aren't in the e-commerce space. So that's that's something I'm really starting to look at more. In terms of instant experiences, we can actually do that already, meaning right. we can retarget based on actions specific to instant experiences, whether people have opened an instant experience and uh, performed an action in there and all that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely. Like Facebook have already implemented some of that for instant experiences and it wouldn't surprise me at all if that became even more granular um, in, the, in the sort of near to mid midterm uh, and shops yeah I would I mean there's no reason why Facebook couldn't do that they can literally do whatever they want there um, so I would 100% expect like really really powerful retargeting opportunities there based on particular actions in shops the one thing I think with interesting experiences that I would love to see and I don't know if it's going to happen in the you know in the future um but i would love to see it is for us you know a lot of the stuff that people send you know send people off to different website pages for are things like uh, webinars or they have you know a custom form and pop-ups and things where they want to collect you know detailed information run a survey or whatever at the moment we can't really integrate those sort of things with an instant experience or a lead form on facebook and that's kind of where it uh, falls down a lot of the time in terms of you know finding use cases for it. So I'd love to see that and allowing some sort of custom scripts or code uh, in those instant experiences. Don't know where it is, but uh, it, that would be really cool. That would sort of complete the picture, I think. Would that get around the ATT? AAT? The the ATT restrictions. If you had you know bit of code dropped into an instant experience what, what are your thoughts on that good question i don't know i mean yeah i don't know that's a really good question i don't have the answer i, I mean i know in a lead ad on facebook you know if somebody fills out a lead ad and submits their information there um that's going to go back to facebook and you know that's facebook an, property. on yep. on platform action so that's fine so i guess it depends I, I, that's a really 
good question. If that information is not, you know, is it going off to a third party and then bouncing back to Facebook? Maybe not. Mm. Who knows? That's for, the, that's for the lawyers to decide. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who knows? I think one thing that I just want to clarify, which we didn't really clarify earlier, was yeah. that for non-iOS users, for if you're, you know, whatever the population is who are 60% or so ever yeah. who are using Android devices and so on, they're not going to have this um, notification pop up. But I think you probably will, you will see the Facebook experience change as a result of this and what we've just been talking about in the way that businesses and advertisers will be using it. So, you know, what, what what's an Android user going to see change? I think largely for Android users, it's not going to change too much, um, to be honest. I mean, they're by default opted in. So, you know, targeting and everything is going to be similar for those Android users. Uh, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a huge shift there for them. Overall, though, in terms of the entire advertising landscape, like one thing Facebook are really concerned about is signal. And and signal essentially means the data flowing back to Facebook. And this iOS change is, is you know having a huge impact on that. But we do know as well that a lot of browsers are changing their cookie policy. And essentially what that means, their cookie and tracking policies. Firefox have already done it. We know Chrome um, later this year are removing um, third-party cookies, for example, as well. And all of these things are impacting the Facebook pixel. Um, so there's a, even though that people are on Android, there is, what we're seeing is a long-term degradation of the signal that's getting back to Facebook. Um, so yeah, in terms of that, then that is going to impact Android users to a degree. Um, I think that will become bigger over time as these, these things roll out and Facebook gets less information. Um, I don't know if you want to dig into how advertisers can sort of manage that that side of things because it's not really specific to iOS. So I won't dive right into that. But yeah, I think they will be impacted uh, in terms of ads that are less relevant to them and also exclusions. That's the big thing here. If, if, you're not, if you can't be tracked by the pixel, if you can't be tracked in general, um, then you might start seeing ads that are repetitive. Maybe you, see, you click an ad, you buy a product. And at the moment, as long as you get pixeled, you don't see that ad again if the advertiser knows what they're doing, right? If you just bought a, you know, red shirt, you don't want to see the same red shirt on Facebook tomorrow. But Android, iOS users who've opted out, you know, you might start seeing those once this, you know, all these things kind of take effect over time. Um, yeah, as well as ads that just aren't as relevant. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, just in closing here, Andrew, can I ask, are you an iOS user? Sure am. Yeah, I've gone iPhone 12. Uh, I haven't been asked yet. I've updated. Neither have to, I. You <laughs> haven't? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's an Australian thing. Um, maybe that's definitely updated. Out down here. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so I've updated. I haven't been asked. I will. I'm in two minds. I might opt out just to see what the experience is like and then turn it back on uh, in a month or two just so I can. So you can do that. That's feel. an interesting you can, point you can, to touch on. It's buried in the settings, but you yeah. can on a per app basis go in and turn this on and off. So, okay. um, you know, the thing is no one expects users to change their decision once they've done it. But yeah, I'll probably opt out, give it a month, see how it looks so I can get a feel for it firsthand, turn it back on. That's the other important thing to note is there is actually 
another setting in your phone as well. So Ben, if you haven't um, been asked, if you haven't had the prompt yet, maybe check this. There's a global setting inside uh, iOS that's basically um, to allow apps to prompt you and ask you if you want to be tracked. So if that's turned off, I know for some people that's by default been turned off. So apps haven't been asking them about tracking because that's been disabled. Um, and in that case, your default opt out. So I don't know, something to check as well. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Um, I like your experiment. I think I might do the same if, uh, yeah. if opt, opt out um, and see how the experience changes. But I yeah. personally probably would prefer to see ads that actually matter to me of things that I potentially want, am interested in and want to buy yep. rather than just seeing anything. Um, Same. If I go. wasn't running an experiment, I'd be opted in 100%. I'd rather just see what, you know, see ads that are actually relevant to me. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Very interesting. Look, I, I want to hear from uh, from the listeners of the podcast if they've got any any other questions. Feel free to uh, hit us up on Instagram and tag both Andrew and myself, and and uh, we can open some dialogue there on social media as well. Um, and if we get too many questions, we'll have to just invite you back on for another chat. How about that, Andrew? I'm always up for that, mate. Anytime. Good stuff. Thanks for your insight today. This has been really interesting. I think it's a watch this space kind of thing as well. Which is, which is really interesting for us as, as marketers because it's always changing and it's important to try and stay on top of it as well. So thanks for helping us stay a bit more on top of things here today, Andrew. Thanks, Ben. Right, massive thanks again to Andrew Hubbard from Hubbard Digital for joining me here on the show. I called him up pretty much last minute last week and said, I need to get you on the show. We need to figure out this iOS 14 thing for the Engage Video Marketing Podcast listeners, and he did not disappoint. So I hope you found this episode valuable and interesting to you. And as I said, we want to hear from you. So reach out to us, tag Andrew and myself on Instagram. He is at Andrew N. Hubbard, and I am at Engage underscore Ben. And let us know what questions you have or any feedback about this episode as well. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks again for listening. And once again, I want to remind you, act quick, because if you want to be part of episode 200 coming up real soon on the podcast, now's your chance to go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200, record your little audio message there, and I will include you in the 200th episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. So that's it from me. I will be back with you next week with episode 199 of the show. And until then, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. You are awesome. And I will be back with you next week. See ya.